Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids. This new venue was so electric. The Vikings fans turned out, the Saints fans turned out, the NFL fans of, of any type of, of player or team turned out. It's really incredible. I think that if you were assigning percentages for win responsibility, I feel like a special teams unit like would have the biggest piece of pie out of the offensive defense and the special teams, you know? This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast brought to you by Pepsi. That's what I like. Pepsi, official soft drink of the Minnesota Vikings. From a double-digit deficit comeback to a double-doink victory as time expired, the Vikings are now on a two-game win streak following a 28-25 victory in London over the Saints. I'm Tatum Everett. We've got Gabe Henderson, Jay Nelson, and our producer, Eric Davidson, you know, you two guys, Jay and Eric, are very well rested. Gabe and I are a wee bit tired <laughs> from our trip across the pond last night. Yeah, my bed felt great last I'm night. Sure, uh, I'm nice sure. and rested. Just so did mine. Pretty good. So did mine, but at 3 a.m. <laughs> I'm I'm still like jealous that Tatum, you slept at 3 a.m. because my my adrenaline doesn't shut off until about three hours after the game or three hours until I get home. So I was up until like 5 a.m. Uh, like, oh my gosh, like can I just go to sleep? So yeah, yeah, I'm not well rested. No, no, not at all. I did get a little bit of Z's on the plane, you know. The neck pillow came in clutch, watched some TV, things like that. What you watch? Uh, this, uh, this like, Netflix girl flick show that you would all hate, so I'm not going to say. <laughs> no, you got to say it. <laughs> it's called Partner Track. It's about okay. a girl who's a badass lawyer. Nice. I just like that kind of stuff because I can, like, watch it and go to sleep at the same time. Sure. Yeah, we don't like that. No. No. <laughs> I don't think I'd recommend that one out there for all you gentlemen, but uh, pretty good for all you ladies who are interested. Um, actually, this is perfect timing because I can now bring in our special guest, Craig Peters, who is the Vikings.com senior editor and the guest of our podcast today. Hey, Craig. Craig. What is going on? Not much. We are literally recording when you called and we were talking about how well-rested and unrested some of us were in this room. How are you feeling after you've just made the trip back from London? You know, it's funny because I got asked about my circadian rhythms. And I feel like as Tyler Williams was explaining all that when he met with media last week, I was like, ooh, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> it's almost like you, you go to the dentist and you're like, you know, I got four cavities. All right. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, oh, I would not pass like Tyler Williams checklist for abiding by or implementing healthy habits. So that's, that's something to keep in mind going forward. But the, the upshot of that is I don't feel that much different from how I would normally after a, a regular Monday road trip. So I don't know about about you all. How are, how are you today? I feel pretty good. I mean, I, I did sleep a little bit more than Gabe last night. And I, I mean, I was on London time for a week. So I kind of feel like yeah. this actually is way easier doing it this way. I think it's a lot harder when you go to London and have to work like immediately when you land. So here, at least it's a little bit less stressful because it is Monday. Tuesday's a slower day for us because it's players day off. Wednesday, when Wednesday's obviously when things pick up. So I think that's probably when it'll hit me a little bit more. For for me, it feels like the uh, Philadelphia Eagles road game yeah. where we got back pretty late, and uh, I usually don't sleep right after a game because my adren- adrenaline is still going. But like, I don't I don't feel like I hit a wall though. Like I, I still feel like like active and able to get things done. But I, I know I'm not 100. percent I was gonna say over under on five hours from now uh, hitting that wall <laughs> at this point. Oh, under. <laughs> We're recording this at what 1:15 right now. I'll, I'll be sleep probably at six tonight. There you go. 
Uh, I'll probably be up to like midnight like normal. Oh, I'll wake up at nine and then be up till okay. midnight. There you go. That's fair. Well, Craig, you you are um, enjoying a little bit of time at home today while you do a little work from there and after the game. But uh, I know, you know, you've been to a couple of the London games before. How did this one compare? Oh, wow. Um, well, first of all, great atmosphere, great welcoming both times. Let me say that at first. But to, to be in a kind of a more modern venue, I mean, Twickenham was so great because of the history there and the, the significance and the way it was just kind of in, in the neighborhood the way it was. But, but this, this new venue uh, was so electric. The crowd, the Vikings fans turned out, the Saints fans turned out, the NFL fans of, of any type of, of player or team turned out. And uh, I think my favorite crowd interactions i mean the seeing the skull chant in in london was great but um some of the songs where the entire crowd just united and it was just this this wall of people belting out you know sweet caroline or uh a couple couple others i think we were even talking about chopper style mr brightside oh i don't know were they singing chopper style god it was so great and then there was a green day song too that that they were all really good i must have missed that uh, one very nicely on too so um I felt like the atmosphere was great. They they kind of pitched it as like a neutral site game, but then like, you know, every time the Saints had a first down, it was their like rallying cry for move the chains and you know, that was annoying. hearing that and hearing that. And I was like, hmm, all right, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the voice of the Saints stadium. I, I think so. So maybe we, we should work out a deal next time where we get to bring Alan Roach. When <laughs> well, he usually does them. On the field. That's the thing is Alan is normally the voice of those games, international especially, but he couldn't because he's the Vikings voice. And technically this was a Saints home game. So that was the thing is I think it normally would have been Alan, but because we were the away team, they weren't allowing him to participate this time because of that that caveat. I honestly felt like there was like some pumped in crowd noise also. Um, I, I don't know if that was just me, but I don't I, know. I, that's been something that's been discussed and debated at this point too, is really? just trying to figure out like noise level wise if there was, was something loud. that way. But like pregame, for example, when they entered, when, when the Saints came off for the first time pregame before like kickoff, it's probably like 15 minutes, probably 20 minutes prior to kickoff people were like yelling and screaming but the fan the stadium wasn't filled and mm. it felt like a full stadium and i was like yeah. okay this feels like practice when we, we have pumped in crowd noise trying to get ready for an away game so not sure how that how that was once the game started but it, it was pretty pretty loud when the saints came out versus the fans that were actually in the crowd yeah and i was in like the the fifth level open air press box which was kind of in between where our pr staff was and then the Vikings radio network was all the way up. So like I was kind of splitting the difference, but I had, I had switched seats with a gentleman that needed to be part of another radio broadcast that they had set up there. So I, I moved down a row and that also placed me right under like a whole speaker stack. And oh, like, wow. I, it was so, yeah, it was so loud um, to be <laughs> like pretty much directly under the speakers. I mean, I, I, I love the open air uh, press box element especially when we thought we were going to get rain, finding out that it was still going to be under the canopy. And this one was a little more permanent than, than say, Twickenham was. One of my favorite pictures of all time is from working a game is, is a selfie that our former team reporter, Eric Smith, who's now doing a great job with the Chargers, he and I took when we were like nestled, I guess, <laughs> uh, for for lack of a better word, at, at the uh, the table that, 
he and I shared it at Twickenham against the Browns. But um, some fun memories along the way. I feel like the venue was great. The crowd was superb. The game <laughs> never fails to disappoint when you get the Vikings and Saints together, it seems. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the, the Saints fans are always fun. I find Vikings fans to be super fun. I'm partial to the music because it was a lot of, like, New Orleans artists, some New Orleans bounce in there. So I found myself feeling more like a fan, I guess, in this game because I was sitting there. I could kind of cheer for the Vikings because <laughs> nobody was in the press box with me. It was open air. So I was kind of like I was like working, but like also observing and then also cheering and then also dancing. So, I mean, <laughs> I had a great time. I thought the environment was crazy. I was trying to think about like who who was more well represented because I felt like you know, when the Vikings made a big play, it was so loud. And then the Saints would make a big play, and it was so loud. And I was just kind of going back and forth on that I one. Would, I would probably say the Saints. Yeah. Um, would you say like 60-40? Yeah, it was close. Like 60-40, 55-45. Like you you can tell Vikings fans were there, and mm-hmm. the purple kind of stood out because it's, yeah. it's a it's not contra- black. Yeah. Right. It's a mm-hmm. contrast. So there was uh, there was definitely the, the, the purple ocean there, but Saints fans were just a little bit more rowdy. Um, I just <laughs> – Shocker. Like, right. I usually do stats for PA in between him and Bursich for road games. Uh, but David Koob came for this game. So I was actually able to watch this game. I wouldn't say as a fan, but I was able to like be out in the atmosphere. And this is the first time um, since I've been an employee that I've been able to like actually watch an away game. And dude, it was such a such a vibe. Like the atmosphere was there. Uh, people were going crazy. And of course, like Tatum said, um, the way the game ended, you couldn't ask for a better ending if you're just going there to watch it as a fan. So um, I, I think whoever went there as a fan were were fairly pleased by the outcome of um, everything that went into the game um, outside of the halftime event. How was it watching it at home? Did you get like the same feeling of it, Jay? It felt very, very, I mean, to me, it felt like it was just like a giant party, right, from you guys. Um, but it's kind of weird because you're you're watching it. Um, I assume it was, at least on my end, just the way things went. It felt like it was more of a Sky Sports cut and edit over there versus it being kind of your traditional CBS or Fox or mm-hmm. NBC style show. There was definitely a lot of stuff that felt felt normal, but there was also a side of it that felt uh, just a little foreign. And, and it, it was just something that, uh, you know, different kinds of angles or cuts or we typically have like your wipes and those kind of things, and it just didn't feel the same. But there were certain plays that they would kind of really dissect on, and then all of a sudden they'd jump back out, and it was like going straight to uh, the next play. So just a little small things like that when I was watching it. But for the most part, it felt like, you know, kind of the traditional, uh, you know, Vikings game over in London that that we've played in uh, the last couple times. And and I guess on on this one, watching it from home, it, it you could tell that they were doing a ton of crowd shots and trying to show the atmosphere and the vibe. Um, but at least from here, it you know kind of felt like a typical Vikings Saints nail-biter, especially at the end of the game. Yes, the fans definitely got a show. They got their money's worth all the way until the very end. Craig, uh, I know that you said you it's always a, a close one with the Saints, and it's been some pretty uh, intense battles over the years. I guess first, let's just get your overall view on, uh, you know, you walk away winner in this one. How did it feel, though? Uh, well, judging by emailers to the, the Monday morning <laughs> mailbag on Vikings.com, everyone uh, hate watches a little bit these days. <laughs> but you know, the Vikings are three and one. Uh, the opening drive was was just a thing of beauty. The way that the Vikings were able to scheme up receivers on linebackers, march right down the field, 
and then still end it with a touchdown, even after after hitting a little hiccup in the red zone. That was a heck of a a call. You don't see that work that often, <laughs> to be honest, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But credit to to Kirk for getting the ball to Alex. Credit to Alex for knowing what to do with it when he got it. And I think the the offensive linemen had one of their best plays of the whole game, getting out and getting that convoy for him. Mm-hmm. Adam with a, a nice key block too. So I think the offense is still taking some shape. I love that they got even more aggressive as the game went on and they, they needed to be in the fourth quarter. I feel like that was really interesting to see the way that they didn't shy away from Lattimore and they, they kind of went after it. And, uh, you know, Kirk had some, some pressure in his face, credit to their D-line. Their their defense is good. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you can't argue that. I thought that they all, their offense did a fairly efficient job as well. Did have the the forced fumble by Dalton on the on the sack. Credit to Dalvin Tomlinson and, and Harrison Phillips for collaborating on that one and getting that big three points before halftime. I mean, we all lived last year's end of half struggles, and uh, so far this this team is has really fared so much better at end of half this season, and it's showing that that's where so many NFL games can be decided. So it's it's a credit for fixing that problem while still developing the offense. I don't think this offense has hit its full stride yet. And then also the defense is still kind of meshing together and figuring out itself. You know, people, it's, it's not like the, the Vikings defense the past couple of years was in the top tier of things. So, you know, there's, there's improvement. There's room for improvement. There's about half the squad is, is new in the starting lineup, the new system. They're still working on some of the zones and, and things like that. But it was great to see, like, once they they did allow the – like, the, they didn't allow the Saints pass the Minnesota 42 on either of the final two possessions, mm. you know. And that makes it really hard for a team to either tie it or almost nearly impossible for them to get a go-ahead score, you know, like a 42-yard mm-hmm. pass. So the fact that they kind of drew a line in the sand when they needed to on those two final possessions. And I thought they also started off really well. Five of six possessions were, I think, four or fewer plays for for the Saints to start the game. And they're kind of a slow starting team every game they've played this this year. It, it just, I don't know, I, I asked them, uh, given the fact that LSU just put it on my beloved uh, Mississippi State Bulldogs <laughs> a couple weeks ago in the fourth quarter. It's like, what is it about Louisiana teams in the fourth quarter? Yeah, then the Auburn and, uh, game. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> well, I thought it was kind of funny. They asked for the man of the match, and they flashed three guys that really hadn't had very large plays. Um, it was J.J. I mean, this was before his touchdown, so he had a couple big catches, obviously, but it was J.J., Pat, Pete, and Tyron Matthew. And I was like, wow, that's an interesting grouping. Anyway, I, I think one thing that I didn't love about that is is when they flashed that it was 13 and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of football left to be decided. Kind of strange. Say so and so throws a game winning touchdown, or or Latavius turns out as as 2017 with the Vikings Latavius and, <laughs> and just flips, you know, the whole run game. And when he replaced Alvin Cook, he was he was really brilliant that year and, and keyed a lot of. A lot of good things on offense for the Vikings. It was it was really nice to see him play well, but the Vikings um, hold off and and get the victory because he's like you talk to people in our building and he's he's still one of everyone's like just favorite. <laughs> Just people. Yeah, Jay Jay's smiling over here when you talked about Latavius Murray because Jay's like, yeah, he's probably one of our people. Tay Train was great. I absolutely <laughs> love that guy. Tay he was Train. he was. That's what they called him because then that was why they, whenever he'd score a touchdown, he'd basically go choo choo when he was uh, 
running through the end zone. Yeah, he was one of the best. Craig, I want to ask you this, man, because um, you were talking about the offense and Adam Thielen. And uh, four weeks into this thing, we know this offense is, uh, I guess, uh, an extension of what the Rams offense were last year. And Kevin O'Connell was basically saying Justin Jefferson is going to be the Cooper Cup of our offense. So at this point, in my opinion, I think Adam Thielen is the Cooper Cup of this offense when it comes to the blocking aspect. Because Cooper Cup did so many things in the blocking game. And a play that stands out to me was the screen touchdown to, to Alexander Madison. Cooper uh, Adam Thielen is the guy that's making the, the touchdown block right there. Uh, Cooper Cup made so many touchdown blocks for Cam Akers or Sony Michelle and, and, and some of those running backs last year. So w- would you say if you had to define the Cooper Cup role for this offense, that Adam Thielen is that guy? It's really funny that you mentioned his blocking because it is something he's done well. It's kind of how he got on the field first, you know, about seven, eight years ago. And we have a story coming up on Adam. He's on the cover for the the Bears playbook um, because he just got his 50th career touchdown. But one of the ones he's telling us about is is how he came into the game and the the opposing coaches were saying it may have been actually the first one against the Bears in 2014. And the sideline was like, oh, he's he's just a blocker. He's just a blocker. Nothing. And Adam knows what's dialed up. And he knows that he's going to get this opportunity to catch this touchdown pass. And he does. So it's really funny. But as his receiving production increased, his willingness to block did not decrease. So I, I think the willingness and ability are there. Um, Wes Phillips, I think back in training camp, was just talking about how Cooper Cup would come in and, and like suggest plays, run plays that he could block for mm-hmm. and the type of blocks that he wanted to do. So I, I feel like that's kind of the most underappreciated aspect of, of Cooper Cup's game. And I mean, he's a triple crown winner, you know, so. Yep. Everyone can see that, and you, you don't really get the, the fantasy points every week for the blocks, but um, <laughs> just, just kind of that, that want to is, is an ability to do so or there. And so I, I thought that was good. I thought that the, the part that really stood out for me with Dylan yesterday, and, and you probably did too, but like a couple of chain-moving catches, yeah. you know, um, just, just keeping the offense on the field. And I feel like that starting to resonate a little bit more too. But yeah, I feel like the scheme and the, the X's and O's that Coach O'Connell and Wes Phillips and the whole staff can put together to, to free guys up like JJ, get those guys matched up on linebackers, having them run free. Those are some elements that you're seeing start to take hold. And we saw a few of those with, with JJ yesterday. And then I think KJ is also a willing blocker, too. And I think JJ is, too. Don't get me wrong. But that's a really interesting construction you have there, Gabe. Yeah, because I'm just thinking of, I mean, Adam Thielen having these 14 to 15-yard catches now. It's like, oh, like finally JJ has some more opportunities to get the man, get the man-to-man or one-on-one covers that we've been desperately asking for these past couple of weeks. But Adam Thielen's blocking puts more pressure on the defense also. So um, having that threat, I think – um, we can do a little bit more with our receivers now than the L.A. Rams did with theirs last year because we have, I guess, two wide receiver ones or a wide receiver one and two that can pretty much do both things that Cooper Cup did last year. So that that's just, just an observation I, I had just watching um, the game yesterday. Craig, on that one too, the, the other chunk of that is that to me has always been the measure of what a complete wide receiver is. 
when you see guys come in and they've, they've got the speed, they've got the hands, they've got the flash, especially when they're younger, as they get older and they start to put it all together. I remember Randy Moss, that was a big thing for him, was you would see him downfield blocking when Robert Smith is trying to bust one for, you know, 20, 30 or, or house it. And he used to always talk about it's those small things that make you go from good to great. And that is when you're seeing a guy like Thielen do that as a veteran this way. Hopefully for some of these younger guys that are that are learning in that that room and they're breaking down the film, they're realizing you have to do all the little things in order to help bust that from a five-yard run to a 15 or a 20-yard run in order to really make a difference in this game. So I just I think it's great seeing that on TV and you can see it with your naked naked eyes when you're there. But um, just to have that be a repeated thing and something that is just has been a hallmark for him for how he has succeeded in this league. Hopefully that rubs off on the other players that are on this offense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they have a good example of what what Dalvin can do with that extra block. You know, I feel like he was close <laughs> to really springing one yesterday, and mm-hmm. then got like I get, his feet got tangled somehow. It was like he didn't even get tackled, but I think it just got grazed just enough. He lost his footing because it, it was green sea parting for him, if you will. Craig, you've seen this offense with all of its weapons do enough to win games. You know, this this is a team that's three and one that it hasn't been perfect by any means. And, and this offense obviously not hitting their ceiling. Do you think this is only a matter of time or how do you think things have been progressing week by week? Well, I think that we've had some tough matchups for starters, like the, the first four opponents are all pretty solid defenses so when you have so much new of a system and you know the the play caller and that going against these these pretty solid defenses you're you're still trying to find your footing it'll be interesting to see with a couple matchups down the road on where that goes but i just feel like it, it it's gonna keep gelling and it, maybe you just start with situational improvements all right we really need to target third downs and have a good plan for those this week that's been lacking for the first couple of weeks and then the red zone Sunday against the Saints. Mm-hmm. Just that's flirting with danger right there. That's the kind where you walk in and you're like, How do we lose that one? Oh yeah, we were two for five in the red zone. You know, that can come back to bite you in a future game and we've we've seen some of those in years past too. So I, I think that it's all taking shape. I feel like the run game is starting to get more and more involved. I feel like having the absence of the run game in Philadelphia be so glaring has, has kind of created this emphasis and this important aspect of making sure you commit to it, you build off play actions from it because Kirk is so good with play actions and usually very effective on those those type of plays. So I feel like that that's all coming together, marrying the run, the pass, and then Kirk either through scheme or like being able to have time to work with progressions, understanding that this O-line is they, – they didn't have their best game of the season either. I mean, there, there's a couple tough matchups. Cam Jordan is especially a great player. He won a few times, I would say, against Brian O'Neill, who is also a great player. But I think Cam had a little bit better of a day. So handling kind of that pressure, still knowing where to go with the ball, still – finding ways to get receivers the ball is going to pay dividends in the long run. So the important thing is you're putting all these things together. You're learning on the fly, but the bottom line is you're still adding to that win column. And three and one is so much better than two and two or <laughs> one, one and three, three like we were last year. Or all yeah. and four. Yeah. And, and with that, Craig, like, you know, even just looking at some of the stats when you're trying to figure out first downs, I mean, we had 15 first downs passing and only three rushing. 
that feels a little wonky as far as being out of balance there. And I think that just speaks volumes to the fact you only had 81 rushing yards and you only got three first downs from the rushes. I, I think that that is something that if they can finally solidify that part too, it helps take some of the pressure off of having to hit all of those passes consistently because defensively then they're going to basically rush four, drop seven, and be trying to do some ball hawking versus having to honor that run with uh, Alexander and, and Delvin being able to try and keep them honest. I just feeling like, you know, those extra five penalties, first downs that we got yesterday were super helpful in order to extend drives, but you got to have a little ba- better balance than uh, 15 and three if you want to be consistent with this offense. That's a great point, Jay. And probably trying to get a little more third and manageable. Um, it didn't seem like we had too many third and ones out there. But yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on with that. I feel like the best thing I thought New Orleans did for itself was keeping the game close enough to keep its entire offensive playbook open, you know, so they could get some of those runs with, with Murray and, and Hill and, um, you know, they, they would have enough time as long as they were moving the ball where they didn't just have to drop back 50 times, you know. Now, I agree with you on that. I, I Just moving to the defensive side of the ball, I think, like, one of my big concerns right now is – Zadarius Smith not being 100%. And um, there were a few times in the second half where he wasn't in for one or two drives. And you can tell that was probably due to uh, him taking himself out because his knee probably wasn't 100%. So one thing that I noticed was the Saints were starting to pick up on that and they started double teaming Daniil Hunter. So Daniil Hunter was getting double team on pass, double team on runs, and they were running directly to his side. How important is Zadarius's health? to us getting a solid pass rush uh, going forward, especially against the Chicago Bears team. Yeah, I think that that's a tremendous observation, Gabe, and like that's, that's why the emphasis is on having two edge rushers that are, that are top tier and experienced in it. I feel like Zedarius kind of helped set the tone early for that game, did record a sack, was able to give it a go, and that's not to be discounted by any means, given the fact that the week was what it was with travel and all the adjustments it had to be in the final couple of days. You're not preparing in your own training facility where you have all of the equipment you're used to getting yourself ready for a game for. So I feel like there's a slight tip of the hat there for Zadarius, as well as Dalvin Cook, by the way, for the the gritty rushing that he, he did put in <laughs> yesterday as well. Um, but yeah, I think that being able to free up either one of those guys and design something will be a key going forward. I, I feel like the biggest fan frustrations in the mailbag right now are, are the defense not going forward off the ball when it snapped as, as much as they'd like to see, whether it's blitzes or, you know, just, just really finding a way to get to the quarterback. I do think Andy Dalton played pretty fast yesterday and was able to get the ball out several times to, to kind of skirt that as well. But, yeah, I mean, if, if you're double teamed, there's not a lot that you can do in that situation. So pressure either needs to come from elsewhere where they have to stop double teaming Daniel Hunter or, you know, it, just something's got to give there, right? Yeah, you got a good point. Yeah, uh, Craig, one other thing, and I think it was super important given the way that everything went yesterday was just how insanely important special teams was. Um, and just seeing, you know, essentially your kicker having to kick seven kicks in the game five field goals and two extra points. He missed the one extra point, which made it a little more uh, nail bitey there at the end of the game. But even with the way Ryan Wright was playing, the uh, the, the fake punt, having to convert on those and, and having to hit your five field goals in order to get that win, 
um, and literally winning by a double doink <laughs> hitting off the uprights. Like, you know, you only go two of five in the red zone, yet you're still converting those field goals. It just shows you how razor thin it is if you're not able to convert when you get into the red zone. So for me, it or when you're not able to convert in the red zone. So for me, it was just super important to show how much this special teams group has really grown and gelled together this season so far in the first quarter of the year. It's really incredible. I think that if you were assigning percentages for, for win responsibility, I feel like that special teams unit like would have the biggest piece of pie out of the offense, the defense, and the special teams, you know? <laughs> and it was just really impressive with the kicks that Greg made, the execution on the fake punt. You got to credit the Vikings for kind of spotting that and knowing the right time to, to deploy that and then having a speedy nailer out there as a gunner and just ready to roll. And, you know, they, they've been practicing fake punts at practices and it's been, you know, a couple of weeks now where we've seen a, a look or two. And then like they, it's one thing to have that in your playbook. It's another thing for you to know the right time to call it and then execute it too. And then also to finish that drive with points because it was the first fake punt executed mm-hmm. by the Vikings since the Baltimore game last year. And that drive, if I remember correctly, did not yield points. So like anytime you, you know, you, you shoot your shot with a fake punt, uh, you want to be able to finish that drive with points because yeah. chances are an, an opponent's going to not leave that door open twice. Right. Yeah. Um, and then Chris Boyd, like just, Screaming down, put pressure on Deontay Hardy, was really good returner. Uh, Boyd, like, slides right by, like, doing, like, a Top Gun flyby or whatever. <laughs> he gets up <laughs> faster than I think anyone, like, just... Yeah, he was mad. Just springs back up off the turf, comes back in. Josh Mantellis has Hardy stopped. Boyd can exclusively go for the punch, the football move, and he does, gets it. I mean, that's another huge momentum-swinging play keeps the offense back on the field, lets the defense rest a little more. It's just really neat to see a special teams group value their their potential impact on the game so much. You know, they, they take every snap like it's going to be the one that can sway the game. And I feel like, you know, your punt return team, your kickoff return team are kind of extensions of your offense, your punt coverage and, and kickoff coverage are extensions of your defense. So, like, I, I feel like, all the stuff that Coach O'Connell talked about, about building a connected team and connected roster, I feel like the whys, the significance of being extensions of the other unit is really coming through, paying dividends greatly. It's been a few years since special teams like played that much of a role, if you ask me, in, in the outcome of, of the Vikings game in a great way. Craig, for me, there, there was two nuggets that at the very end of the game were so important to me when it came to the special teams. And I thought it was just showed a a very good cohesive nature of this locker room. One was in the TV feed when after Joseph had missed his, his extra point and we were potentially have to go, go down and kick a field goal. They cut to him sitting there doing his practice kicks on the sideline. And you saw Patrick Peterson standing next to him, talking to him, basically saying like, Hey, let this one go. You know, you're going to get a shot. And he basically gave him a you know shot on the the, the shoulder pads and, and kind of walked away. And it was seeing a veteran like that walk over and be like, hey, put that out of mind. We're going to need you here kind of a thing. And then after the fact, uh, when you saw the locker room speech by Kevin O'Connell, basically reiterating that exact same sentiment 
of saying, hey, you know, what did I tell you? And Greg said, you're going to get one more. You know, that mentality from a coaching staff, from a veteran leadership on this team, going and looking at guys saying, hey, that happened before. Let it go. We got to play this next one. You're going to get your shot to win it. And he did. I think that helps validate those guys knowing that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be right when we need you. And that was something that was very encouraging watching uh, not only during the game, but then seeing that follow up in the locker room afterwards. Yeah, and it's it's proof positive, right? You know, just just continuous positive thinking, even when in the midst of challenges. I feel like there's there's a lot to be said for the you know culture gets thrown around a lot, but past couple weeks of of the comeback against the Lions when on a day when not much was going too splendidly, um, to just just find it and and find things that, that would solve the problems, and then just you know having enough. To, to outlast a tremendous challenge from the Saints. And there's a lot to be said for the way that teammates really appreciate Greg. I mean, he had a tremendous training camp. They're, like, everyone on the roster is all in for him. It was just so fun. I mean, y'all, y'all were out there. You saw the reactions at the end of practice when he's drilling 58, 60, things like that. I mean, it's like the offense and defense after grinding against each other whole practice, you know, and they're all like celebrating together. So it's, it's really interesting to see that come to fruition. He's kicking the ball. Great. Still. Um, you could hear it yesterday. Again, coach O'Connell talked about the, the sound that just rings so true. So I heard that a couple of times for Sunday on his kicks and, and just, it, it really had a nice thump. And then just again, that belief, that amongst the special teams and, and credit to, to Matt Daniels and, and Ben Kotwika for, for their leadership of that unit and as well as the players for buying in on it. And we, we haven't brought this up yet, but for Lewis Dean to, to suffer the, the bad injury that he did and we're, we're all thinking about him, mm-hmm. uh, wishing him all the best in his recovery. Um, but, you know, that happened on a, on a punt return play. And so that special teams group, seeing one of, guys that they work so closely with suffer suffer such a, a frightening injury and have to be carted off. They, they did not lose their focus on that either. And they're clearly going to think about him during the game and beyond for sure. But to also just be able to, to have the focus to, to not make mistakes and to make good positive plays down the stretch was pretty impressive too. It was really, uh, that was an emotional moment, I think too. And also a testament to how close this particular locker room is when you saw them all go out in the field and, and you know, everyone wanted to say like, you know, hang in there, bud. And, and I thought that was a really, you know, I thought it was a pivotal moment as you could see. It just kind of demonstrated like the strength of this locker room, which I thought was great. And obviously uh, I think a little bit, we're recording this podcast just before Kevin O'Connell will be making a statement on Lewis's recovery and, and, and what's going on with that situation. So we won't really address that side of things just yet. Um, but I'm, I'm happy you brought it up, Craig, because it definitely was something that, you know, you just really hate to see Lewis go through. Yeah, absolutely. I, the leg injury that, that Lewis suffered um, reminded me of, of one that Mark Mariani, a seventh-round pick with the Titans more than a decade ago, actually now. Uh, but he had gone to the Pro Bowl as a, as a kick returner, as rookie. And then he, I, I don't remember what year it was, but he suffered a, a fractured le- lower leg as well during a kickoff return in a preseason game. And, you know, he, he battled his way all the way back, made it made it back, and is still, like, he, he did really well and showed that determination. And I think teammates in that situation lifted Mark up a lot. You know, he was, he was another beloved 
long shot locker room guy. Now Lewis, a first round pick, is is not a long shot by any means, but you could just see how much care that the teammates have for him, mm-hmm. the connectivity that you mentioned, and then you could hear it in Coach O'Connell's voice in his post game press conference, and I, I'm sure that that genuineness is is going to come through as as Coach O'Connell updates and the the hope that that we all have here for Lou is is that he realizes just how much people here care for him and are thinking about him while he's still in the UK doing his surgery. Yeah, yeah, that's very unfortunate, but um cuz it it definitely took a lot of energy out the stadium cuz I believe that happened uh right in the second quarter and I believe the Vikings only had 66 yards. Um, right after that, I mean, I think it was an interception, two plays later, a punt the following drive, and then two field goals to end the half. So you can tell it um, took something out of the locker room. But I think at the same time, um, trying to put a positive spin to this is this Vikings team was very resilient. They fought back. They got through that adversity and eventually uh, ended up getting a win. Um, you never want to hear plays or see plays like this happen. But the fact that the Vikings were able to bounce back and get the, I guess, the train back on the tracks was was really encouraging to see. Absolutely. All right. Well, Craig, before we wrap things up, I we need to get to our 3M play of the week. From the field to the roof and everywhere in between, 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. Visit vikings.com backslash skull science to learn more. And, Craig, we went with the play in the for- late in the fourth quarter where the Saints had just kicked a field goal to take the lead but with a minute, just a bit over a minute and a half left in the game. Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins connect for a big-time play to set up the game-winning field goal. 138 to go in the game. We're tied to 25. Will Lutz hit a 60-yard field goal to tie it. Cousins, shotgun. He's going to throw a fade to J.J. Left side. Caught on the run. Jefferson, 35-30. And he's taken down at the 25. He's J.J. And he got Marshawn Lattimore again. Again, that was a huge play. Great to see Justin Jefferson out there making plays against his hometown team. But I think more importantly, it was awesome to see him kind of make a bit of a return after being a little quiet the last couple of weeks. It seems like the Saints really were just like, hey, Marcus Lattimore, we want to see you stop JJ. And obviously that's happened. I know you alluded to that a little earlier, Craig, but it was nice to see, you know, when they wanted to try and shut JJ down, you know, Thielen would come up with a big catch or KJ Osborne on a pivotal moment. What do you uh, what do you make of how teams are approaching Justin this season? Well, we've seen the Packers kind of go the zone route and the Vikings able to to find holes throughout the game and never stop him. We've seen the, the Eagles use a combination of Slay and some, some extra defense. We've seen the, the Lions go double and triple team (laughs) and the Vikings find a way to get the ball elsewhere and then we've seen perhaps the most balanced distribution I guess that included JJ but I think that they had it in mind that if they got that look with a one-on-one with JJ and and Marshawn Lattimore going down the middle they were going to take it and and they definitely did I mean I, I think alluded to it earlier it was like I was glad that it was pretty impressive that they didn't like, you know, go into a shell or anything when it was time to go like win the game. They, they went for it, you know, and that, that ball by Kirk was Gabe. I thought Gabe Tatum, I thought it was the best Jay. I thought it was the best throw he made all day. Um, hit him in stride, just undefendable. Right. Yeah. So like just, just even with good coverage, even, even with being right there. So it really showcases, 
kind of the talent on both ends of the play that do exist. And when those can line up and form that connection, uh, we could see some several nice, impressive completions like that. So it's great to, to see them just go ahead and get the chunk. That's immediately in field goal range. And in this situation is always also you, you exhaust the other team. So what happens after that? New Orleans has to go through all three of its timeouts, right? And then, like, the Vikings are able to just run a little bit more clock, work that down. They felt very comfortable with Greg kicking a 47-yarder, which isn't a, a you know, a, a six-inch putt by any means, right? <laughs> So those they, are hard too. Comfortable with that. Yeah, they they felt great by that, and then that way they're only giving the ball back to the Saints with 24 seconds. You know, the the one down the middle of the field that's probably the only spot that's going to be open in that situation on New Orleans' drive because they have no timeouts left. But if you hadn't made New Orleans exhaust all of its timeouts, you know, that becomes even more of a detriment if you give that one up. So I think that being able to go and get it and take that that chance on a first and 10 and, and just really see the look, know it's coming, go for it, deliver the ball, make the catch and use the results of that to manage the late game scenario. That should be something that fans are pretty excited about. Well, thank you so much to Viking senior editor, Craig Peters for being on the podcast today. Hope you can get a little bit of extra sleep today as we head into a week, uh, a big week, actually another division home game when the Bears come to U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. No bye for us this week, Craig. <laughs> no, no bye. Straight into the uh, playbook for the Bears game. So a lot of fun there, a lot of getting ready for another home game. And it's it's a heck of a chance to improve to 3-0 in the division, close out the home division schedule uh, by mid-October, which is so, so rare. Crazy. Uh, that is but, crazy. You know, another good one. And, and I'd just like to say how much I enjoyed y'all having me on and, and how how fun this has been. Hey, hey, Craig, before we get out of here, should the Vikings play every Sunday in London? Because we're 3-0 and right now, so that means we'll never <laughs> lose any more games. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Um, you know, like the, the Saints were 2-0 and in regular season games there. The Vikings also won a preseason game there, won a preseason game in Sweden back in 88, a preseason mm-hmm. game in Germany in 93, and, and one in Tokyo in 94. So international travels have, have fared very well uh, when it comes to the scoreboard for the Vikings. Interesting. Take the show on the road more often. I, for one, will volunteer to go back to Tokyo at this point. I would I would be all in on that one. Leave me there. <laughs> that would be great. Well, thanks, Craig. We appreciate you again. This has been awesome. And uh, looking forward to the playbook this week at U.S. Bank Stadium and also all the great content you guys are churning out on Vikings.com. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you again to Craig Peters for coming on the podcast this week. He was also with us uh, super early in the morning on the bus. I remember talking to him, and I was like, you know, we should probably ask him to be on the podcast. And that's kind of how that happened. So uh, just really happy to have him on here. We try to give the players a little bit of a break since it is a long and quick, well, a long week after, and now a quick turnaround as we head into, as we mentioned with Craig, a division game against the Bears at home at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. Just because Gabe and I are tired, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have content for you later yeah, this week. We are here all week. We are here all week, and we're going to get things going with the Audible on Wednesday. I feel like we haven't quite confirmed yet who we're going to have on it. No, not yet. We um, it's working. We have uh, four guests in mind in, in pairs, so uh, we got a plan A and a plan B. So I like it. Stay tuned to Vikings.com. That's the out. ultimate tease. Yeah, right. <laughs> you you never know. Just stay tuned. It might announce today. Might announce tomorrow. But yeah, it'll be on vikings.com on Thursday and on Vikings YouTube that day also. So uh, tune in. 
And um, it should be another great show. I also have my asks in for a game day live interview. We're just a bit behind, folks, but that doesn't mean we're not going to make them happen. We also will have another episode of this MVP Minnesota Vikings podcast on Friday. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, just keep, make sure you like, subscribe to the channel. Check out Vikings.com in the app for everything that drops this week. X's and O's, Kevin O'Connell, that'll be back. Everything that we normally do will be right on schedule despite this crazy weekend. Um, I mean, ever you guys don't think it's crazy. Y'all are on the normal say, schedule. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> I know. I'm sitting here being like, wait, how do I have to motivate myself? No, it'll be fine. Yeah, we got a lot going on this week. I'll sleep in the bye. And it's Chicago week. It's great. It's the Bears. It's always another nail biter. That's the way these Vikings Bears games tend to go. Uh, why should we think anything less after the last couple of weeks and just enjoy your Chicago Bears week coming up here? It's always fun. And I, for one, always love Bears week. Yeah, the, the Green Bay one, there's a little more blood and guts to it. But Chicago is always the fun test. Their defensive line has always given us fits. Offensively, tight ends have always been been something that's eaten us up across the middle on this this Bears team. So, again, I, I feel like the way that their offense is going, their running game, their tight ends, everybody else, like same kind of thing is going to be coming in the door. So I assume getting ready for Bears week, barring something crazy going on, uh, we can expect another crazy one this Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm not looking at the line, um, like the the number line. No. Because – whether it's five, six, or seven, like Jay just said, the Bears always play us close, and they're two and two, so they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, trying to get back on track. So this, this will be a fun one. I'm just, I'm just excited to be back at home. I think um, everybody is, right? Yeah. I mean, you love the, the fact that it's home cooking. Yeah, it'd be nice to be on the road as far as uh, game prep goes for us for the stadium and everything. But being back at home after that one and still having a three and one record with the excitement that comes with that, if you can push it to four and one and be three and oh with the division after the first five weeks. That's like one of the best starts you could think of as a, as a fan. I even think that if it is four and one and you're three in the division, that might be what a lot of people expected this team to do within the first five games. But to live up to that is another thing, right? And that's like we had talked about before the, the, and finishing out games at the end of a half. I think that week one showed you what it potentially could be. And uh, this is where we're at. So, yeah, I'm just looking forward to Bears Week. Yeah, seriously. Um, This is, yeah, Jay, you hit it right on the head. That's all I got. I think it's going to be loud. I think it's going to be crazy. Can't wait for another division game in U.S. Bank Stadium. For Jay and Gabe and Eric, I'm Tatum, and we will see you guys, or you can listen to us again on Friday. Hey, Vikings fans. Number 96, Brian Robinson, is bringing NYC's cheesiest food stand to U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit Mac Truck Mac and Cheese on Minnesota Vikings game days for a new game time snack.